Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Evan Drellick. Evan is a frequent contributor on WEEI and MLB Network. He is also the author of the book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Boston Red Sox. Evan, welcome back to the podcast. Ross, what's going on? Well, Evan, we are going to talk about one of the worst teams in baseball today, the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> and for people who are seeing their record 6-12 and 12 and think this might just be a little fluky, they have earned their terribleness. This is not a fluke at all. They've played so poorly. What is going on? A lot of bad play all around. The team, even last year, for as great as J.D. Martinez was and, and Mookie Betts and, and kind of the, the step forward the offense took, you know, they were great in 2016, down in 2017, and then right back up in 2018. It was still about starting pitching. You know, that, that, that's kind of the, the core of this team that Dombrowski's put together uh, with Price and Sale and, and Evaldi. You saw it in the postseason when the bullpen kind of needed the lift from the rotation. Still, the, the story this year is, is the heart of the team is the rotation. And the rotation uh, has been abysmal. There's just no way around it. And, and the trickle-down effect there is you're putting more pressure on the offense. You're wearing out your bullpen. There's a reason that a guy like Rosmo Ramirez is standing out on the Yankee Stadium mound in mid-April uh, in a 4 nothing game. And you don't have a more kind of trusted, reliable reliever out there, which is because you need to save them for the games you have a lead. And uh, the other guys, like a Hector Velasquez, have been kind of forced into other spots that you didn't expect. So uh, the, the, the strength was supposed to be starting pitching. The hitting hasn't been there either. And the bullpen, I think, remains a longer-term concern. But so far, it's been starting pitching. If I were to spin that forward, I would tell you I think the starting pitching will be fine. But with a team that's already facing a, a, a real hole in the American League East, it's a question of do you look back and go, yeah, we, we needed to do better in April. Well, let's talk about Chris Sale, whose loss in velocity has been stunning. He's lost five miles an hour off his fastball. People are not only seeing his slower fastball, they are crushing it. He's not getting any swings and misses. Last night was a step forward for him against the Yankees. He did have a little bit higher velocity. He was causing more swing and misses with both the fastball and the slider. But he has been getting pummeled, and he knows it too. He called it an embarrassment. He said he's embarrassed for himself and his family, for the fans and for the organization. Can Chris Sale come back to being Chris Sale? Sale, I think, uh, knows the right things to say. Uh, he's good. He's good at that accountability uh, publicly, and not, not that he doesn't mean it. Uh, the family comments struck, struck me as like uh, uh, almost a little, a little too much. Um, but I really think with, with Sale, it, it is a matter of being built up. It, that can be a little too much of a simplification. But you look at what the Red Sox did in spring training, uh, which was give these guys a ton of rest, and you can kind of understand why they did it because uh, they had success with it last April, although not quite to the extreme of skipping quite as many Grapefruit League outings for, for the regular rotation. Uh, and, and the fact that they pitched so late into October last year, you know, the concept makes sense. But the execution and kind of the gambles and the risks involved there, uh, you're seeing explode in their face because, again, it hurts the bullpen and all this. Sale every outing has improved. You know, the first outing or two, the, the worry was if your shoulder hurt because his velocity's uh, down. Well, the velocity's coming back. And, and the slider is also coming back. You're seeing steady progression, which is kind of what you normally see in spring training. So I, I think come May, he will be fine. You know, he, he could be fine uh, even before that because, because 
it is visible. It, it is visible inside of the outing, but the command still isn't there. Uh, and and the, you know, the slider, even at, as it's improved, still isn't as consistent. So I really think with sale, it's, it is a matter of time. It's been mechanics, and they got back to Fenway Park now, experienced the Goldberg about this. Uh, you know, they have those high-speed cameras at home. Uh, team started the year on the road for 11 games, so they were able to kind of hone in on some of the mechanical stuff more. But uh, I think the combination of that and, and time will, will make Chris Sale the Chris Sale of, of your. And Sale, of course, signed an extension before the season began, five years, 150. So that's after this year this kicks in. And what I'm always curious about, and it, I can't say it was a bad deal when you look at just what David Price got, when you look at what free agent pitchers get, Patrick Corbin got a huge contract this year, and Sale has been so good. I think that he has the most strikeouts ever through 1,500 innings pitched. The people behind him are Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez, Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson. It's outrageous, the people yeah. who he's outpacing at his age in innings pitched. But coming off a season where he was put on the DL and he really wore down at the end of the year, why not wait a month to give him that extension? Why not be like, okay, we agreed on the terms. Why not wait, and if it's everything is good, May 1st, we'll sign it. Do you think they would still sign that extension with him right now? Yes, I do. And the reason is, uh, you know, the two extensions, uh, uh, Bogart and Sale, um, it bo- both, I think, represented hometown discounts. You know, Sale had the, Sale's a good year. Sale's healthy. He hits the open market. He's getting more money than that. Even in this kind of depressed uh, state of, of baseball free agency, you know, you're still seeing the upper echelon guys get paid and it's different for pitchers and position players. But you're, you're pointing out the right thing that, you know, Sale is the modern day Randy Johnson. He is a Hall of Famer as long as he stays durable. Uh, and, and they they did MRIs uh, at the Last year, um, I, I uh, believe it as well when he signed the contract, if, if they really uh, saw something and decided to ignore it, I, I think that would just be you know malpractice and lunacy. So understanding that he got the contract and everything I understood from reporting, you know, even as far back as the winter meeting, there wasn't structural damage or you know significant structural damage beyond anything a normal pitcher would have, that kind of thing. Uh, to his shoulder last year, he was dealing with inflammation, bursitis, tendonitis, all kind of part and parcel of the same thing. And the feeling was he, he could rebound from that. You know, the durability question still exists, but I, I, I can't imagine a world where they give him that contract and, he's, and they looked at him and said he's damaged good. So that's why you're seeing now that, you know, the velocity is coming back and the, and the stuff is coming back. It just, uh, it's taking a little more time than, than I, I would say Red Sox fans and, and maybe uh, media or probably the team itself uh, envisioned. That would be a huge disappointment. And I think a knock on Cora, who was trying to do the right thing. But look, the Red Sox have too much talent to be struggling like this. They're not going to have the worst run differential in the American League at the end of the year. The starting pitching will be better. Chris Sale will be better. But if they end up missing the playoffs by two games... And it's because they didn't ramp up their pitchers in time. That's terrible. It was a gamble that for when I look back at the 2018 Red Sox, it seems to me that they made a lot of high stakes gambles that kind of almost consistently always hit. Uh, you know, they were the big money winners on on everything on on bets that uh, just shouldn't pay off or normally don't. You know, that's everything from playing with a short roster. You know, they carried Blake Swihart for two months last year. 
and uh, didn't use them. You know, it's things like um, playing this season a game with multiple people unavailable uh, because of injuries, and you know, sometimes that'll happen. But there's kind of a in this age of baseball, you, you're always pushing toward optimization and kind of everything you can do, every little edge. And, and I, I don't know that that's in the operating philosophy, uh, kind of top down with this group. And, you know, it worked marvelously last year, but, but you're seeing the flip side of that coin now, which is, well, yeah, if, you know, it's great if you can get through April with your starting pitchers delivering, say, 80 pitches the first couple times out and your hitters are there. But what if your hitters aren't, aren't there? What if your bullpen is weakened uh, naturally because they lost Joe Kelly and Craig Kimbrell? You know, what happens then? And, and so now they're seeing the flip side and being reminded that, oh, wait, not everything we, we do will go right because everything they did worked out, even in moments that I went, wait, there's huge risk there, but the risk was never realized. And now in kind of the typical baseball karma way, the risk is being realized dramatically. Yeah, and to win 108 games, a lot of things have to go your way. And to get to be this bad, a lot of things have to go against you. I think at the beginning of the year, I thought they would win 98, 99 games just because it's hard to win 108 games. It's almost impossible to do that on back-to-back years. Some things aren't going to go your way, plus they didn't have Kimbrell or Kelly, who were bullpen guys but still were significant pieces to them. But they've put themselves in a significant hole here, and it's not one I'm convinced they can fully dig out of, especially with the other starting pitchers who are, who are also struggling. They signed Nate Evaldi after his postseason heroics. That was a contract that I was a little bit... Um, a little bit skeptical of because he has never been healthy, and even though he throws really hard, he has been hittable throughout his career. He's off to a terrible start as well. What can he do to turn it around? Yeah, I do know that they are working with him mechanically, which shouldn't be a surprise uh, to anybody, but they, they think there's some correctable things there. You know, that when they got him, uh, they, they made some changes to the pitch mix and felt that maybe he was kind of a, uh, a different guy once they had him, but you know, in, in the bigger picture, you you are touching on um, you know thread that I that I've kind of been, been near and dear to my heart, which is kind of the way this roster has been built and 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 was was continued to be built going into 2019 is very straight ahead. It's um, guy had success, uh, will pay for for that guy, and and that's kind of that. You know, there is very little creativity, and, and of all the. I think did represent something that that's hard to find, which is, you know, quality starting pitching on free agent markets. Charlie Morton, I guess, uh, uh, shows that there certainly were other options, but um, it's the MO of this, of David Browski to, to kind of move in this straight ahead fashion. And um, you're right about the track record for Evaldi. You know, I mean, you can give him, go into Steve Pierce and say, you know, at the World Series MVP, was that the right contract for him? Uh, and I guess we'll see if the proof is in the pudding uh, in his performance this year. But uh, it's, it, you could see it coming a mile away. You know, it, 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 it was never going to be a situation where they, they looked at it and went, you know what, that was good, um, but we've, we've got this, and it, you know, this kind of younger, cheaper option that builds roster sustainability or something like that. So, they, you know, it's got a ton of money wrapped up in pitching and, there are questions there because of all these track record, you're right. It's, it's not, uh, it's not the guy you saw in the postseason. Now, another news that came out yesterday was that 
Blake Swihart was DFA'd. Now, Swihart's development has been so mishandled, and in fairness to Dombrowski, he really is just on the back end of the mishandling of Swihart. It started from the beginning when the Red Sox had both Swihart and Vasquez, both as top 100 prospects, and they basically just gave the job to Vasquez. They decided that he was better, that his defense would be better, and they gave him the job. And I'm still not convinced that that, that was the right decision to make. But they sent Swihart down, then they would call him up, then they moved him to the outfield. He got hurt. It was just a constant putting Swihart in bad situations. And I feel like this divorce was inevitable. I still think he can be a productive player, though given his age and, and what's left, I don't know how, how productive he'll be. But still, the mismanagement of Swihart is what really sticks out to me. I was floored that, that Swihart uh, was DFA. It, 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 is, it is a truly reactionary move that does no consideration for the bigger picture. You know, you're right about the, the Red Sox kind of bungling it um, for a while and this being just the back end. But this is really two years now uh, of, of Swihart being healthy and, and then knowing they have this three-catcher issue and just not doing anything about it. Uh, they didn't use him at all last year. His, his agent told me, I think it was in May, uh, his agent went on the record with me and said, I want him traded. I want him out of Boston. You know, it, it, it was a catch-22 where they wanted value for him back in a trade. You're not going to get value back for him in a trade if he's not playing. He's not going to grow as a catcher. He's not playing. So he's not going to be able to help you in the future. Uh, and they just backed themselves in this corner. You know, at the winter meetings, Dabrowski said, I want to uh, I want to go to camp ideally with uh, with two catchers. And, and they didn't do it. You know, and, and then to, to reverse the decision 17 games into a season is, uh, and specifically this decision, I mean, I guess there's some that you could imagine maybe makes sense. This one doesn't. Uh, the, the, the statistics don't bear it out. The, the logic of, of long-term roster building doesn't bear it out. Uh, it, it made no sense. It was, it was a reckless move to try to improve a pitching staff that, you know, your top starter just got a new contract extension in Chris Sale. Let's make, try to make sure that these guys are as happy as can be without any real regard to all right, what, what, what should we actually be focusing on here? I, I've never seen a player's career so kind of – I can't think of one right now. And maybe there's an example out there. But in recent times, that was so kind of bungled a franchise he's got a world series ring but on a personal level if, if swire wanted to mf them all on the way out i think he would have been entirely within their rights within his rights yeah and one of the things that really messed up his development by osmosis was sandy leone out of nowhere having that great season in what was it 2016 he had i, I think he was 20 percent above average at the plate he was a three-win player and nowhere else in his career has he been that guy and that just completely, the next year they were like, oh, we have to give Sandy the starting job. But it's like, no, he went back to being a terrible hitter and really not that great behind the plate either. He's not that guy they think he is. And to just let go of a guy who still has promise for Sandy Leone, it makes no sense. And really, if they're doing it to, to show that, oh, we're going to make some changes, this isn't the change that, that people need. If they want to make some changes... Are people like Darwin's and Hernandez or Tanner Huck ready to come up and contribute right now? Yeah, this is a window into something that I've been kind of writing and talking about for a long time. It never really, it only, it only hits people uh, when things aren't going well. But the process behind the scenes with the Red Sox, 
I think should be concerning because for as fantastic as uh, 2018 was, uh, you know, when you have a move like this with Swihart and, and you, and you kind of look in, in aggregate and all the other moves that, that have been involved in creating the current state of the Red Sox, you start to have a question of has Dombrowski and this team built a, uh, a great team or a great organization. And, and I'm of the opinion that Dave Dombrowski is a, a uh, great 25-man roster builder, that he's not a great organization builder. And, uh, you know, I think, I think years from now, it's possible the Red Sox could look back and go, we had this fantastic window. Did we shorten it? Did, did we do everything we could to, to draw it out? Um, you know, and, and, and certainly signing guys to extensions helps, but there's more to it than just spending. Um, you know, there, there's also something to be said for, retaining cost-controlled assets, uh, and, and that's not, uh, that doesn't seem to be the priority. Let's talk about Dustin Pedroia, really the second base situation in general. Pedroia missed most of last year. I think he, although this started the Pedroia injuries this time around because of the Machado slides um, a year and a half ago when Machado slid into him, and he's never been the same since. He's barely played since. He's off to a terrible start. He came back recently. He hasn't hit at all. Second base, they're getting no production out of. What can they do about that? Uh, Hope and pray for Michael Chavis or Rain. You know, Brock Holt going to the Brock Holt uh, to me was, was was kind of an under under the radar storyline of, of 2019 in so much as he had this great feel good 2018 finally comes back from the um, uh, vestibular issues and the concussions and all that stuff which is really scary stuff and dealing with the anxiety and um, you know he's a great story but you know would this Pedroia side because I, I just don't think you can count a Pedroia for anything. Uh, you know, would the, the Holt Nunez, assuming Nunez is a little healthier, maybe has a tiny bit more range, would that platoon kind of suffice at second base? And, you know, early early on, we just haven't seen enough of Holt to really say. It didn't look great before he went down. Um, but, you know, that, that's an area comes the deadline that, like last year, uh, when they give up a guy who, I, I believe at last check, hasn't given up a run, Ty Buttrey, uh, to the Angels for Ian Kinsler, you know, they might have to upgrade at, at second base because, uh, you know, if Pedroia does not produce consistently or play consistently, and to, to me, Pedroia has to be looked at as just whatever you get is gravy. And, and, and at a certain point, you might get to a, uh, a conversation of, does he deserve the roster spot? I, I don't think they're there yet. In the same way, I would say it's ridiculous to get rid of Blake Swire after 17 games. Uh, I would say it's... Uh, the same case for Pedroia, you know, it's just not a real sample size. Um, but there are, there are other real issues as we know with the knee, uh, with the knee with Pedroia that complicated. So that, I think that that's a building issue, you know, it, 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 it's, it's growing with time and it, it's kind of the, the, the monitor it and see what happens along with the bullpen. You know, everybody was talking about the bullpen, but, but second base is the other one where you go, we don't really know what we have here. Well, Craig Kimbrell is still available. Are the Red Sox interested him in at all? I think it's pretty clear at this point that they're they're done spending. You know, it, 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 I I I am of the opinion speculatively that if if Dombrowski could have, he would have absolutely resigned him. Uh, I think that the payroll has just hit a point highest in baseball last year. Uh, same again this year. Luxury tax, all that. You know. Whether, whether John Henry and Tom Warner could really afford it, a whole other discussion. But, but clearly, 
uh, it seems that they've they've kind of put uh, put put the X A on the uh, the spending A. Uh, it, it it just seems like they're they're done. You know, if if things kept the interesting thing would be knowing that Dombrowski can be reactionary, also ownership can be reactionary. Uh, you know, would they say, okay, we need to inject some life? You know, could could they open up the pocketbook one last time to make good on uh, this window and and this team? You know, I, I guess I wouldn't rule that out in, in a hypothetical sense, because why would you? You know, it, it, it kind of fits with the with the M.O. of the things that have happened here. But uh, where things stand right now, you know, Craig Kimberly fixing the rotation, just like Sandy Leone fixing the rotation. So I, I don't see that in any way as, as, as imminent. You know, I, that, that would I can see the shot in the arm play, but I, I, I don't think that's right now. One thing that I do think has been fluky is the bad defense. This team has too many good defenders to be playing this sloppy, and I do think that will correct itself very fast. There's a lot of corrections that needs to happen. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't think they're, I don't think Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr. are going to look confused out there for uh, the rest of the year. And that's that's one. That's the question I've gotten before. You know, what's going on with Mookie? If anybody's a good answer for it, I haven't heard it. I haven't seen it. I don't know how you explain why someone so good has, has kind of looked a little lost or meandering on it. And, um, I, I wish I had a good answer, you know, and, and I, I would, I would draw it back to a little bit of, there is volatility year to year. I mean, Mookie Betts, own career so far has, has shown us this, you know, 2016 runner up MVP, 2017 good, but, but not, not that great, you know, he, he, he was great, but not excellent, whatever you want to call it. It was a little bit of a step backwards and a huge step forward in 2018. You know, so, so if you wanted to ask a question going into 2019, who's the real Mookie Betts? I, and I, I think that's still kind of fair because you, you haven't seen in that Mike Trout way that kind of every single year after year after year, this is the guy. So, his, yes, the defense will be fine, um, but, you know, the, people look at it and go, well, young guys will only get better. It does not work that way. You know, people, people have down years. Is there any help coming from the minors? You mentioned Chavis. Are they playing him at second base? Darwinson's probably a reliever, maybe Tanner Huck as well, but I, I look at them and if they can give you multiple innings, can they help? Is there any help coming from within the system or are they going to have to pursue a trade if, if these struggles continue? I would bet they end up trading for a reliever this year. I thought they absolutely had to do it last year. I guess I was wrong. Uh, although you can argue that if they traded for a reliever last year, they wouldn't have to rely on uh, the starters quite as much. And, and maybe then they wouldn't be as burnt out, but that's a silly digression. I won't go there. Um, yeah, I think Darwin Hernandez could do it. I mean, you're touching on the right names of guys that you could see this year, you know, the Durbin Feltman, a possibility. It, there are names there that could help. Uh, and Feltman in particular, they, the Alex core really did like in spring training and, Hernandez has caught a lot of eyes. So, um, and Travis Lakins. I mean, there there are people there that I think you will eventually see. Um, yeah, Mike Trewarren. You know, uh, there there are arms down there. Are, are they enough to get by without making a deal? I, I'm skeptical because you know Barnes and Brady are kind of really the only two known quantities you have at this point, and um. You probably need more. You know, you probably need a guy that you that you feel okay using in a four nothing game against the Yankees, uh, rather than Rosmo Ramirez, and and not feel like, well, we just burnt the bridge in a game where we have a lead. And and I, I don't think they have that right now. 
Do you think the Red Sox, with this terrible start, have played themselves out of postseason contention? Do you expect them to be in the playoffs this year? Oh, well, I would just defer to the baseball perspective playoff odds report and just, you know, kind of the basic logic of the schedule. They've made it harder. They're not going to run away with the division. They put themselves in a real hole. Out of playoff contention, no. Um, but the Rays, I don't want to jump the gun, but they seem real, you know, and, and, and the Yankees, despite the injuries, are um, clearly still capable. Unlike last year, you know, you don't win 100 games. 100 games are gone. Uh, I thought this was a 97-win team. That was my guess because why 97? I don't know. It sounded good. You're probably not looking at low 90s uh, at best, you know, and, and the, the team could go on a 650 winning percentage run for a long time. It's totally possible, but, um, you know, it's flawed, and, and depth is not exactly um, – I go back to that point about organization building versus roster building. Uh, you know, the organization is not deep, so – out of playoff contention, no, but these games do matter. April does matter, and 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 it mattered last year when they were twenty-one and seven going into May, and everybody else in the division is looking up at them, chasing them, and the, you know the, those wins are banked. They're sitting pretty and and kind of playing with a little bit less pressure. You know the the shoes on the other foot now. So, hey, from a, from a kind of observer perspective. Give me a pen race. Let's do this, baby. You've been listening to Evan Drellick. Give him a follow on Twitter at Evan Drellick. Evan, thanks for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thanks, Rob.